Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCready, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCready. One of my favorite reads, my book, From Trauma to Trust, The Making of a Messenger. I simply read the closing chapter, Fresh Move, Fresh Loyalty, because I believe it sums up the entire point of our life. It is to know Him, to be with Him, to live unto Him. And as you've listened to my favorite reads from Ultimate Intention, you'll definitely notice the theme running through my book. We're influenced, aren't we, my friends, by everything that's been poured into us But then we turn and strengthen the brethren by pouring out to others the very same life that we have received. Enjoy today's reading. I love you all. So yes, it's true. One of my favorite reads is my own book, From Trauma to Trust. Why would it be my favorite? Because I think I'm such a great author? Because I think it's such a great product? No. Because it is the simple telling of him and all that he has done, who he is to me. The things that I've read to you previously, the song of our Syrian guest, Ultimate Intention, and anything that I share with you after this has all influenced what is in my book, From Trauma to Trust. So let me read to you chapter 12, Fresh Move, Fresh Loyalty. My Father is enough for me. In our day, heaven and earth are on tiptoe waiting for the emergence of a spirit-led, spirit-intoxicated, spirit-empowered people. All of creation watches expectantly for the springing up of a disciplined, freely gathered, martyr people who know in this life the life and power of the kingdom of God. It has happened before. It can happen again. Richard Foster quote. For even the whole creation, all nature, waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's sons to be made known and waits for the revealing and the disclosing of their sonship. Romans 8.19 He is not ashamed to call me brethren. Hebrews 2.11 With every step I was taking in this season of my life, there was death and life happening simultaneously inside of me. The power of Christ's cross was so sufficient to destroy the power of hell in me, not just generally, but in the personal context of my own struggle. The struggle was so close I could smell it, touch it, but yet I was powerless to overcome it. I was discovering that it was Holy Spirit's expertise to release the power of the cross toward everything of self, flesh, independence, hell, and sin, and simultaneously enable me to live big and free unto my Father." He was allowing me to experience the truth that all of my freedom comes in Jesus. He had come for me, and the sole reason for being made new was for the purpose of having deep fellowship with Him. Not just knowing about Him, teaching His principles, or telling others about Him. I was new so I could be 100% compatible with Him. I was having to face the wonderful and uncomfortable truth that he wanted me, had come for me, and was jealous to be with me. I was seeing that the yoke of the sun was not a hard, pressing, side-by-side harness where he would drag me through the fields on days I didn't want to go. Rather, it was a yoke spoken of in Song of Solomon 2.6. 
His left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. He whispered to me that his left hand was the cure for the stiff neck of his people. For me. This was my only hope of going fluid and moving with him. I wish I could tell you that the next verse he showed me corresponding with this one came after hours of prayer and studying, but it was simply noted in parentheses at the end of Song of Solomon 2.6. It was Matthew 28.20. Teach them to observe everything that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you all the days, to the very close and consummation of the age. I had received a book from a mentor many years prior. I didn't understand a word of it, so I put it back on the shelf. As I was emerging into my fresh move with fresh loyalty season with God, I realized I had known who I was in Christ, my possessions in Christ, my ministry, my destiny, but I was still operating in a vacuum of the Father. I had almost missed the whole point of the gospel if that book was waiting for me at just the right time. My focus was still on me, my mine. Self had kept itself in the running, cloaked in the goodness of man, but a son was about to manifest. As I read through the pages of Deverne Fromke's The Ultimate Intention, I saw my story unfolding. I realized there was no me apart from him. The entire point of being born again was to be restored to my father. The whole point of being made new was so I could be in full oneness with him. Jesus came as the Son to make me a son of glory. My only hope was the indwelling glory of his presence. Jesus had come to be the first of many brethren, and I was his brethren. He was not ashamed of me. The core meaning of brethren was not gender-oriented, but spirit-oriented. I quoted for years that we were to know ourselves after the spirit and not the flesh, but had never seen the significance of it in this way. My core identity is spirit, and there is not Jew or Greek, male or female, color, or any external thing that determines who I am. And the whole point of who I am was to be someone to him. He is the point, the whole point. He is the source, the guide, and the goal. Only the cross and its cutting power can reveal how deep our independence from him runs. Self is determined to produce its own theories and theologies. It says God is either doing something in man, for man, or by man, yet neglects to see that man is still the center in all these rationales. I saw that my captivity had not been fully turned. I was glad I was delivered, but shortly thereafter would find myself in bondage again. Sometimes the bondage of success, not failure. I knew who I was in Christ, but failed to see that I only operated and functioned in my identity in relation to Him. Until I realized how much I was called to live as Christ, I couldn't see the goal. Jesus Christ lived fully in and for the Father. I had inherited His life to live the same way. When Jesus was in the wilderness, it wasn't about proving who he was or showing the importance of quoting scripture, but proving that his father was enough for him. In that same way, Satan's lure to me wasn't to get me to quote scripture or prove my identity. It was to see if I counted life with my father as enough for me. The enemy had goaded me into proving myself time and time again, and I repeatedly fell for it. I was learning from the whispers of my father that the issue was never about behaving well, but depending well. 
He was bringing me into the reality of all revelations, Him. He had revealed Himself as fully as I had ever seen Him, and I was brought to decision. Would He be enough for me? In my disillusionments, I, like Peter, said, I don't know Him. I, I, I don't know this one who is beaten and humiliated. I, I thought we were on our way to victory, but defeat seemed more assured as things progressed. My confidence was in my image of who he was, not who he actually is. His ways were dealing with me deeply, and I responded with, I do not know him. I didn't know this was in the travel brochure. As this fresh move of God rolled along, I was challenged to new levels of fresh loyalty to God. Could he really do with me as he wanted? If my new life was really not my own, would I relinquish my right to myself? Would I allow divine ownership to overtake me? Would I say, like my brothers in Scripture, though he slay me, I will trust him? If my next prophetic word was, there are chains waiting for you in the next town, would I cancel the trip or move forward? Would I count it a high privilege to fellowship in his sufferings? If I am to live like him, then I have to make a decision to literally live as he did. Instead of taking a rescue when things get tough, I will look for the way of resurrection. When I step into unknown circumstances, I will step into the known character of my father. Like the sons in Hebrews 11, I will look for a fatherland. If I died still waiting for the promise to be fulfilled, I will die in faith. More and more, I realized I truly could do nothing apart from him. Only in abiding fellowship could this one and only life of the son enable me to live as a son, a female son to my father. There was no other plan. He will not help me live any other way. No weapon of hell could thwart this, only my free will as a free person. I was learning that God was not going to do anything personally in me apart from Christ. I could pray all day for him to fix me, but he wanted me to see an experience that he had already done everything in Christ and had put me in him and him in me. He had always wanted fully grown mature sons, and I was still trying to be a nice Christian and an anointed minister. My responsibility was to cooperate with him, to receive, not demand, all that had already been accomplished. No begging, performing, or giving required, just simple trust in who he was and what he had done. Living independent of him had been my greatest trauma. The core trauma of man is that we are born separated from the Father. And the more we adapt to that separation, the more traumatized we are. But we do not know it. I am of the belief that the well-adjusted are the most traumatized. Having struggled deeply with trust all my life, I was also experiencing what it meant to live by faith, reliance, and complete trust in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I wasn't any longer trying to trust him, for self and flesh are incapable of doing that. Self is not just unwilling to trust, but completely incapable of trusting. The very nature of self is to trust in itself. My only hope of trusting the Father is to share in the full throttle trust the Son has in Him. I didn't have to labor to trust Him. I needed to receive the actual faith of Jesus in His Father. To realize that He has known my frame and inability from the beginning gives me a glimpse into His goodness. 
What I had known and forgotten was that it was taking all this painstaking time to bring me once again to the place of giving up on my ability so I could step into what I have come to call abiding development. The plan is not to work on and fix the old, but bring deep, ongoing development to the new. I learned through much heartache and disastrous self-trust that the only hope I had was truly Christ in me. I found strong encouragement when reminded in the scriptures that I was in good company. Paul said in Galatians 2, If I was trying to be good, I would be rebuilding the same old barn that I tore down. I would be acting as a charlatan, a fake, an imposter, a fraud, a counterfeit. I had to learn what being a hypocrite was from God's point of view. He says I am acting like a hypocrite when I act different than who I am. The devil says I am a hypocrite when I act different than how I feel. Where there is partial death to self, there is full-blown danger to you. I had spurned the discipline of my father because I was living like a bastard. Nobody could tell me what to do. Every word from authority, husband, friends, pastors, was heard and believed to be an attempt to control me, to keep me from the good things I knew I was destined for. I was going to have to go around them and against them to get what I believed would be life to me. Their warnings to me were seen as nothing less than abusive blocks of power. When I read my journal entries from this time, I am staggered by the spiritual language I used while serving self. While our flesh throttles the character of God, the spirit within must rise up in jealous love for the Father. Hebrews 12 gave me the black box recordings of a life going down in flames. Everything burned and wasted. I had torched my life, my home, ministry, and had whistled Dixie while doing it. Nothing but ashes left, but that just happens to be what my father specializes in. Truth was that the only things burning were those things that would never make it through the fire anyway. God knew all along it would lead to this. His mercy was allowing me to see truth that I could never gain by reading a book or studying for a sermon. Holy Spirit was enabling me to cry out, My Father, my Father. I thought my identity in Christ was about me, that ministry was about me, that life was about me. But finally the cross was having its full sway in me, and I was having a major revelation download that life was Him, from Him, and about Him. Nothing made sense apart from Him, nor could it function separate from Him. My identity in Christ as a full son was so I could be one with my father. The entire prayer of Jesus in John 17 was, For this cause I came. What cause? That we would live as one with the father in the same way he had. Twice Jesus said this was the key, the hinge that would bring the world to see him for who he really is. Scriptures were exploding in me. Jesus came to be the way, the truth, and the life so I could get to my father Not to a place, not to heaven, but to the person I had been searching for all my life. I was being shown how far I had truly missed the mark, and the mark was him. Sin was anything that drew me out from total dependence on him. I wanted relief, but wasn't willing to live in his rejections. I wanted my thoughts to be renewed, but wasn't ready to be willing to suffer rather than fail to please my father. This was the mind of Christ, the Son. Having the mind of Christ doesn't just mean having better mental health. It means you want to please God at any cost. I had a deep need to be loved perfectly, and he was it. 
Rejection was being swallowed up by an unearned, undeserved acceptance. My eternal past was swallowing up time and space. What was true in Christ was annihilating what had been true in Adam. I was being put in the remembrance of him. There would be no managing of sin, but only annihilation of it. I had to embrace that I was now dead to sin and alive to him. This is a story of being returned to him, for him, by him. There is no life without pain, suffering, and rejection. The simple question is, whose pain, suffering, and rejection will you embrace? Jesus said, if they love me, they will love you. If they hate me, they will hate you, in John fifteen eighteen, Many want the power of his resurrection, but few choose intelligent allegiance that leads to the fellowship of his sufferings. This is when we go from excruciating pain to exquisite pain that leads us into full salvation and deliverance, and with it comes no regret. Once I see what I have been delivered from and then who I am delivered to, I will cease to take consideration of what it all means for me. God is worthy of all, and the place of our fullest deliverance from self to the Father is the cross of the Son. The cross restores the sons to the Father. Plan A is still on the table. We must go from trauma to trust. Oh, I'm so glad to have been able to share this closing chapter with you. The title, Fresh Move, Fresh Loyalty, comes from a teacher, Alan Vincent, that I listened to years ago. And he said, with every fresh move of God in our lives, it will require fresh loyalty. And to all of those that have gone before me, I'm so grateful, so glad for all that was poured into me so that I could live unto the Father. And now, my friends, I am simply doing the same. I'm pouring out to you that which was given to me. We're just simply passing on life. And he is life. Go to him today, my friends. Enjoy this season with him like never before, and let him truly bring you to himself. I love you all. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady.com.